That's the sound of Carolina losing at home. And we're back. That's the sound of Maddie. And we have a special guest today, drum roll, Jonathan Shapiro. John from Maine. And they're laughing because as Duke fans, they're feeling really good right now. Why is that, Maddie? What happened last night? Uh, well, Duke went to the Dean Dome for Coach K's final trip up Tobacco Road in his 42-year tenure with the Blue Devils. He got a rude welcome, and uh, UNC was handed a 20-point loss. So that is how I like to spend my Saturday evenings. Dad, what do you have to say? Tell us, how are you feeling the day after a 20-point UNC smacking? I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty darn good. Nothing makes me happier than when North Carolina shits the bed. I mean, it's just, it's It's just, it goes back. It's, it's fantastic. And, and as you know, Maddie, I, uh, first went to a Duke Carolina game when I was at Duke back in the eighties, I came just after coach K I wasn't as heralded as as he was when I arrived (laughs) at law school, but, uh, he was a young man then. I was too. And uh, that's how you became uh, who you are today as a Duke exactly. fan. So this, in my in my old days, I would be depressed for weeks if they lost to Carolina and uh, overjoyed for weeks. I will savor this one. I will say that. Um, I think that uh, they manhandled Carolina. Uh, it almost seemed like it was the Duke men's basketball team playing the Carolina women. Uh, it was that kind careful, of a game. Careful, John, careful. It's 2022. It's 2022. You can't John, say that listen, anymore. do you have any recollection of the year you went to the game against UNC? Because uh, I'm want i curious to know which game you went to. Out of, these, out of this list, what year was it? It would have been uh, for sure. Let's take a look here. Uh, I would have seen the night, January 19th, 1985. I'm sorry. Yeah, the January nineteenth, nineteen eighty five game. Mm-hmm. To that, one, I would have. That's a Duke W by sixteen points. Yeah, that's so a pretty significant pretty win. win. Right, and that that was Duke just became you know eighty four when I arrived was their first good year. Um, well, it, looks Bellis, like their, it looks like their previous yeah. eight meetings in a row they lost yeah, to all UNC. losses. Yeah, well, remember who's playing then. You have uh, Michael Jordan, uh, James Worthy. <laughs> <laughs> you have various other famous we'll find them. players. We'll find them, exactly. And so I was would have been there 86, 87. So I would have seen the two losses to Carolina in 87, which was painful. Uh, and I would have seen the um, split in 86 as well when Duke won one year and uh, won one of the games and they split, which was very common over the years. I think yeah. the, the home and away. So talking um, about the split in the last hundred years, hundred games that they played against each other. Now Duke has the slight edge, 51 wins and 49 losses with a mere 23 points separating the two teams. And and we have nine overtime games in that stretch. Um, the most recent one being, of course, that incredible comeback uh, in 2020, where it was uh, was a double overtime or a single single overtime, and uh, Wendell Moore had the putback after Trey Jones' heroics. 
Um, but what were you thinking going into yesterday's game? What was Duke going to need to do to win the game? And did they actually execute on that? Or was it just something else? I had a feeling that um, AJ Griffin was going to have a big game. Yep. Um, And it's not so much that I felt that Bancaro would not have a big game, but I thought there was a chance that Carolina could focus on Bancaro. And I, I thought Bancaro was going to be a bigger presence in the game that he mm-hmm. ended up being. I mean, he, he had some, some uh, um, second half in particular. I think he felt like he was more present, but I had a feeling I, I have been overwhelmed with AJ's performance. I mean, to me, he is the surprise of the season. Yeah. You know, that he's a and star. the Wendell, and he's a star. And the Wendell Moore, the first 10 games was yeah. like, who is this basketball player and where did he come from? <laughs> and, course we've seen you know some great plays from Wendell recently but also some erratic some uh, behavior some but eight, yeah right so Adam to answer your question I, I was uh, nervously optimistic that Duke could handle Carolina I mean from everything I've read about Carolina and seen they've had an erratic year um, and I, I felt that Duke's three-point defense has been so strong uh, against other teams that I felt, well, why shouldn't they be able to do it against Carolina as well? Now that we all thought last night as we watched that the bearded uh, grizzly bear from uh, the transfers, he turns out to be not a freshman, a transfer student. So he's not just a freshman who needs a shave. He is a grad student. He is a grad student. Yeah, he was. uh, And if he hit a few more, it would have been manic depressive. And so, (laughs) you know, I think he is. Yeah, he is a transfer. And uh, I did think some of the comments today were were well taken, that he needs some grooming. Uh, He's unkempt. (laughs) And that Dean, Dean Smith, Dean Smith was of the old Yankees school, which is shave the beard, shave the hair. You Uh need to look appropriate. Um, there was some commenting today on in some articles I read saying that both uh, um, Manic and uh, what's the other fellow that uh, Baker, Amanda Baker with the hair that Dean Smith is not would not have been amused. It would not have been so, his vibe. That's funny. And I don't think Dean Smith would have been amused by what I read today about the embarrassing behavior of the oh, Carolina yeah. fans. I think it's just disrespect. And again, no, I, I get the rivalry that to me, rivalry is right. fantastic, but, but the idea that you're going to call, I, I didn't know this rat face is their name for yeah. uh, uh, coach K and they were yelling F coach K and things like uh-huh. that, which is, you know, like it or not, he is the greatest college coach of all time. It doesn't mean that Dean oh, Smith yeah. wasn't a great coach, but you know, he's got the, he's got the statistics to back it up. And I just thought that was a, it, it just showed them to be, I, I, well, I, there's stoop. a word. I'm, they stoop. They're a program that stoops. I mean, it's you and cheat, you and like, that's who they are. Like we have to remember <laughs> that Roy, my buddy Roy, who was there in the stands looking portly and powder blue as ever last night, like he had a bunch of wins wiped off of his record because they made up classes for their student athletes to take. They weren't actually going to school as college athletes. They were just falsifying their grades. Like it's UN cheat. So the fact that they can't respect coach K's greatness, it doesn't diminish their legacy. It doesn't diminish the rivalry to acknowledge that coach K has left 
an eternal impact on college sports and on the sport of basketball. Like, but they can't, they're stupers. It's who they are. You know, let's, uh, sorry, John, what were we going to say? I look, I think that Duke is, you know, I look, it's, it's not to say like I was at Duke when uh, Chris Washburn played at North Carolina state and was arrested for stealing uh, record albums in the stereo. And uh, when he came to play at Cameron, they threw record albums onto the floor during the game (laughs) to welcome Chris Washburn. So, you know, but, but again, I think that's a little different. Uh, Chris Washburn was a student he was a player in the game right. and it was a current event. And, and here, yeah. you know, I don't expect them to hand an award or have to have some kind of a ceremony, but I think you can at least have some respect. Like some in quiet fact, respect. In, in, fact, they yeah. chose, in fact, they chose this game to honor Roy Williams. On, uh, in that front is of so the rude. I think that's so petty to honor Roy it Williams. Is petty. When Coach K is there with his family for his last game, Mickey, my girl Mickey, who was wearing some sort of like diamond Duke bling that did not get enough airtime on national television. So I'll give it the airtime here. But anyway, since we all know that the reach of this podcast is the same as ESPN. Anywho, but Coach K (laughs) is there with his whole family. Mickey hasn't set foot in the Dean Dome apparently since like, what, the 80s, early 90s. She's there to honor her husband. And they're talking about Roy Portly Williams. Like, why? Right. And look, I think Duke, Duke, Adam, one more thing. Duke could have, and I, I, in hindsight, I wish they had, um, continued to pour it on because as you noted at the very end of the game last night, you know, they won by 20, but they were up by 30 moments earlier. And, you know, coach K I think is a a class act all along. He does that in any game when he's up and the game is over, he pulls his guys and basically says, and they could have, and I, my, my hope is that when Carolina comes to, to Duke, to Cameron, that we literally shove the ball down their throats oh, and give yeah. them a thrashing that makes this look like nothing. So the last, the, so the, the biggest, win, I agree. Let's make this look like mercy. This is the biggest win Duke had over UNC since March 6th of 2010, which if I'm not mistaken is a the year they go on to win the national championship. That is correct. They win 82 to 50 at, uh, you know, at Cameron, uh, at home. So, um, Duke doesn't seem to have a loss that bad until, and it's actually interesting, uh, in the early two thousands, Duke beats UNC three games in a row by over 25 points. Um, but most of the time it's a really, really close matchup. That sounds delicious. I wish I could remember it with greater clarity. I was 10, wish that I had a better memory for those precise victories. Cause I remember some painful losses, but, uh, I wish I could remember 2002 a little more clearly. Looking into the details of the game before we get uh, into the other stuff, um, of course, you got to highlight, start with uh, A.J. Griffin, 27 points, career high, three of six from three-point range. He basically started the game off and the second half, just incredible. Oh, the beginning of the second half was just, you've come to see the A.J. Griffin game. There are other people standing around in the court, but welcome to A.J. Griffin's house. Yeah, some of the good-looking shots and some of the bad-looking shots didn't matter. They were all going in. Yep. Um, Duke was 10 of 13 from free throw, which is nice to see. Yep. Um, 47% from three, 57% from uh, the field, and they started the game off just hitting everything. Um, and something that's worth mentioning that really doesn't get a lot of the press is Mark Williams' performance guarding Armando Baycott. Um, you we know, were nervous about that, Dad. You were talking about that in the first half yesterday. Like, was Mark Williams going to kind of get bumped around or, or manhandled a little bit or outsized? And in the second half, I think he really figured it out. 
Yeah. And he didn't he didn't get himself into foul trouble, which is something that we've seen major improvement earlier in the season. He That's was getting true. himself into foul trouble again and again. And That's so, so true. Yeah, you and I were saying we thought they were going to have to bring in Theo John more as like a decoy to, to draw the fouls to save Mark Williams, which really didn't end up happening. Exactly. One of the things that we said that Duke would need to do is play great defense to win this game. And it feels like they did. What's interesting is, is when you look at the numbers, Duke actually had 12 turnovers, which has been a little bit of a problem for them all year. And you would think that UNC had more turnovers, but in fact, they only had eight turnovers. It was, it was Duke's defense's ability to create bad shots for UNC mm-hmm. and make them miss. And then Duke rebounded. Um, so it yeah. wasn't necessarily forcing the turnovers, but it was making them feel uncomfortable. Um, so they, they definitely succeeded in that one. Right. And in, in some of the past games, we've seen um, other teams uh, on the offensive boards uh, rebounding again and again and again. It happened once or twice last night, but I thought that Duke did a much better job uh, of making it one and done. They, Carolina came down, took a shot. The shot didn't go in. Duke got the rebound and took it back up the floor. And I thought that was a big difference than some of the the prior yeah. games. Duke out-rebounded UNC 40 to 24, which is just, you know, huge. domination. Right. Um, and that would not that would I didn't expect that kind of, of showing last night. I would have expected it to be much closer. Another player who, you know, actually until this moment, I'm not realizing who had such a great game. Keels, who only came came back a couple of games ago with 20 minutes, was three of four from three hit both his free throws, ended the game with 11 points. That was kind of quiet because of the performances by, you know, Mm -hmm. A.J. Griffin and some of the others. But Keels definitely is worth mentioning. Not worth mentioning is Joey Baker. This is the part of the episode where Adam shits on Joey Baker. Tell us, Adam, tell us how you feel. Joey Baker for the second consecutive game leads the team in turnovers when he only played nine minutes. (laughs) Oh, Joey, 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 Joey. Joey Baker needs an article to come out like, what's his name? I think we need a a stat, a turnover to touch ratio. And I have a feeling that Joey Baker's turnover to touch ratio Uh is pretty god awful. Uh We need an article. Remember the Javin Deloria article that came out that just berated him? It was so harsh that it like knocked his soul into being a better player. That's what Joey needs. Yeah. I think also we need to rip that tattoo off his arm. It needs to be erased because <laughs> the tattoo is getting to you. The tattoo is getting to me because I look at it and say, "Oh, look how tough!" But who, who is that guy with that tattoo there? Wow, he must be tough. And then I'm like, "Oh, it's Joey Baker," and I'm like, "Turnovers are just oh, killing it's the me. It's like killing us. It's like you've heard the expression: everything you touch turns to gold. This is everything you touch turns to turnovers. Like." It's a nightmare, and I recognize that he's a senior, and I'm trying to have respect, but, like, yeah. I'm needing him to help me we, show him the love. We had some good role-playing performances. Jeremy Roach has been that guy. Like, he hasn't been a superstar, but he's been just that, you know, reliable piece. And he started. And he's not turning the ball over like he did last year. He had four assists last night, you know, had quite eight points, and that's what we need from him. Yep. He's hitting his three. Also, he's hitting his shots. I mean, I will say last year, you know, when he threw the ball up, it was, you know, like a, a hope one a in a million yeah, uh-huh. a lottery. It's like, okay, the odds are one in a million that it's going to go in. And now yeah. this year, I mean, I have the same feeling when he shoots, but they're going in. 
I feel like um, he settled down. Like last year, I feel like we had similar complaints of him and DJ Stewart that it was like, sometimes they would like get ahead of themselves and it would like get a little spazzy down the court. Like, I feel like he's just like settled into his game a little bit and is taking smarter shots. Right. I, I think that Duke is really, I'm, I'm seeing something I haven't seen in several years, which is they're starting to gel. I don't yeah. want to jinx them by any means, but I do think this is a, team that seems to be enjoying playing with each other. Yep. Um, getting better playing together. Uh, they play on selfishly for the most part with, you know, very few exceptions to that. And, you know, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing at the right time. February is where you really want to see improvement. And I think we're seeing it this year. And so yeah. let's you see know, if they, this is a tough week for them coming up. Yeah, this is a big week. We're going to get into their upcoming schedule shortly, but they, they played UNC who had just won four in a row at their own home. Um, and, you know, it's a statement when UNC was like hot and, uh, you know, climbing the ladder, probably soon to be ranked. And, uh, you know, Duke did its thing. And now we see Duke sitting at the top of the, conference standings by themselves a half game ahead of Notre Dame who they also just crushed and that was and I was going to say Adam that the Notre Dame game another team that was on a roll had been winning game after game yeah. and really playing well and Duke flattened them at home yeah, yeah. I'm not mad at being the brick shithouse of the ACC that you're cruising along and then you run into Duke and then you uh, get knocked down a variety of pegs I'm not mad at that well right. you know they have a this, quick turnaround because tomorrow night yeah. they have Virginia, who, while they're not the Virginia they have been the last few years. They're yeah, always, Virginia vet shitters are back. They're always a thorn in the side of Duke. They are back at home again at Cameron for that game. Yep, that's Monday, February 7th, just to clarify. Monday, February 7th at 7 p.m., Duke faces UVA. And then the makeup game against Clemson, who, if you remember, Duke squeaked a W by two points, 71 to 69 the last time they played. So hoping for a little bit of an easier game there. Yep. That is Thursday, February 10th at 8 p.m. And then they have another game. And I mean, a game is a game is a game. Hopefully the competition on this one is a little bit less stiff when they play uh, Boston College on Saturday, the 12th at uh, 5 p.m. But still four games in a week or in eight days is a lot to go from the intensity of UNC to UVA, which is typically a very strong defensive program to facing off against Clemson again to BC. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. This is, this is where, you know, the metal gets tested. And if, I think that they are going to, uh, you know, they had a great start to the week and uh, looking yeah. forward to tomorrow night's game. I think that uh, these are winnable games for them as long as they keep their focus and keep doing what they have been doing. I don't, I don't see any in past seasons. We've the three of us have been discussing game after game, like what they need to change Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing that. I like the way I like the way the coaching staff is coaching them. I yeah. like the way they're playing the players. Um, it's it's it, it's it's great to see. You know, the past couple of years have been frustrating. Where we we have we have talked about why are they continuing to put this player in or that player in this year? You know, Joey Baker. We're lucky to see, you know glad to say he doesn't get to play. <laughs> all that much, <laughs> particularly in the big games. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, Coach K is doing a really nice job. And probably yeah. he's, you know, he's got some good help from uh, his sidekick, Shire. So. Yeah. 
I totally, I totally agree. I just want to see them keep doing what they're doing. And I think what you said about the team having fun playing together is so important because and I, we've talked about this on past episodes. Like there's nothing more maddening than when you feel like you want it more than the players on the court. Like you're screaming at your TV, ready to break something. And you're like, does no one care? Am I the only one who cares? Like, can I get a little energy for the people in the back? And I feel like just watching the post-game footage of like them hyping each other up like Paolo Bancaro is taking over the Duke Instagram, spotlighting AJ Griffin. He's joining in the AJ, AJ chant with the Blue Devils when they get back on campus. Like that is a different vibe than someone and no hate to someone like an RJ or a Zion, but like it's different. It's a different vibe. And I think that they're like a team that's there for the team, even though there are individual superstars, it's just a different vibe in a way that I hope is going to serve them really well. Like they seem like they're having fun. There's been like moments of floor slapping in a couple of the past couple of games. I mean, that's a little risky to do in UNC's house. We didn't see that last night, but that is what I'm looking for. I just want total world domination and national championship. You know, it's very casual what I ask. That's all I want. Yeah. The only sad part about all this, one final comment for me, the sad part is that these players are so much fun to watch this year. I know and knowing that they're they're the, the one and dunners, it's just they're gonna hard because you can imagine seeing a, a guy like Griffin or Bancaro in, in a sophomore or junior season oh, and yeah. uh, how, how good they would be. And frankly, that reminds me of some of the Duke teams way back when where it was, you know, one and dunners were not common and yeah. uh, leaving early, leaving early was unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an approach. But, I mean, but, Duke has the ability like you have teams that are still doing that, like Virginia, like Virginia is like, they're going to get guys that are going to be three or four year players. And that's the way they're going to attempt to go win a championship. Duke has gone the other direction. Um, it was such a different time. Dad, do you remember how pissed you and I were? Oh my God. When Gerald Henderson left after his junior year and didn't come back for senior, I was like, right. he's a traitor. I mean, granted, never forget, uh, as we discussed UNC, that he's the one who broke Tyler Hansbro's face. So uh, all praise to uh, Gerald in that moment. However, you and I were like, who does that? Like you just bail after your junior season. It was such a different time and a different culture because right. we were like, and the who market. could do that? Right. The market has demanded it though. And so it's not, you know, I think that Duke has gone where the market, uh, and it's the same as Kentucky and some other schools and Carolina to a lesser extent, but, uh, still have some one and done or, you know, after two years, but that's the only sad part is it, it kind of makes it a, it's gotta be this year. And to think you're only going to get to see AJ and Bankero play this season. And after that, you know, they're going to be the NBA. And so, which is a different, it's great for them, but for us college basketball fans, yeah, it's a, tr- it's a treat to see these kinds of players. And it's, that's the sadness is that the season is so short and yeah, it goes uh, by so their, fast. their careers. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It goes by so fast, even though we're lucky for, uh, for those of us who are in New York over here, maybe we'll have uh, some opportunities to go see RJ and Cam Reddish play together. We just need to encourage more of that. They all need to end up on the same teams together so we can make fewer stops to go see them together in the NBA. You know, yeah. I, for one, am looking forward to sitting next to Paolo's uh, mother and father <laughs> and AJ's mother and father behind the bench with Coach K. Just to share with people and the numerous <laughs> listeners of this podcast, for, for clarity, what my father is referring to is that uh, the ACC tournament is hosted in Brooklyn just one more year, I think. Then it's pivoting back somewhere else. But 
We, of course, have our sights set on seeing Duke in a variety of games, but especially, you know, the Friday night, Saturday night, kind of down the road in the ACC tournament. And uh, there's a long history of uh, Adam and I sitting in the upper decks and waving down at the back of my dad's head as he sits immediately, basically close enough to gently poke the back of Coach K's head while we sit up in the the nosebleeds. The deal was if he could join the podcast, he's going to pay for our tickets to go down low. Oh, yeah. Dad, you remember (laughs) that one? That was in the fine print on your contract for today's episode. Well, let's end it there, because if it stays on the podcast like that, then it must happen. If it's on the podcast, it has to be true. That's Um, right. You can always ask, Adam, right? Isn't that what we say? uh Uh-huh. If you don't ask, you don't receive. If you don't ask, it's right. Any uh, final comments about uh, Duke's uh, ass-whooping of UNC? Yeah, Dad, what do you have for us? Final thoughts? It was enjoyable. I loved every minute. Uh, My stress turned into joy about halfway I think it was probably at about the five minute mark of the second half when I realized this was not a fairy tale that they actually uh-huh. were going to deliver. To yep. all the UNC fans, you didn't even lead for a second in the game. Not even one second, you didn't have a, a lead. And as uh, uh, one correction there, they led in classless behavior the entire night. That's true. That will give them uh, that one they always own. We uh, That one they can own permanently. But, uh, As my uh, better half has been known to say, or maybe it was me, I really can't recall at this point, that's going to be a difficult one to come back from, you know? And with that, this has been a couple of crazies. Thank you to our special guest, a longer time Blue Devil fan than either of us. Dad, thanks for joining us this week. Say farewell to the people. Pleasure to be here. Well, we'll hopefully Pleasure see to you be soon with some bigger wins down the, the road this season. Absolutely. The more frequently we have big wins, the more frequently we'll uh, have to phone a friend. So with that. Exactly. Yep. This has been a couple of crazies. Go Duke, bleed blue.